Hello, good morning. Uh, greetings from sunny Coleraine in Northern Ireland. Um, and uh, it's just a, an absolute privilege to be here. You know, I, I, I travel around the world. Um, it is my privilege to, to just follow Jesus around the world and uh, launch this model of ministry called Healing on the Streets. And, um, you know, before you, actually, before, uh, just before we go any further, I, I have some resources here. And before you get into any further debt, um, there, there's some resources here we'll actually teach you how all about healing on the streets and also some great insights about our identity our authority how to pray for the sick how healing comes and um, just so many great things it's very easy to read and the miracle question as well which is something that the Lord gave to me in 2014 this is 2000, from 2005 we've been doing healing on the streets every Saturday without fail it's a move of God that is spread all around the world. And the miracle question, some, something the Lord gave me in 2014. And in Coleraine, we've seen um, now over 6,000 people come to faith with the, the most incredible uh, um, you know, impact in people's lives and, and in, our, in our city. So um, they're available at the back somewhere. I'm not sure whereabouts, but in the back. And I just feel feeling pretty generous I think I'm going to give this away. I think, I think I'm going to give it to this gentleman here wearing a red hat. Bless you. Bless you so much. You know, yeah, it's funny. You, we, we, we gather on the streets and we, we get ready to... Um, you know, our banner is, is, is up and we have our chairs out and we, before we start, we kneel to pray. And I think the funniest comment that I've ever heard, we had some amazing experiences where we've knelt in the snow and the ice and the, <laughs> the rain. But the funniest comment that I ever heard, personally, was when we were kneeling in like in a circle for noses to the ground and someone walked by some people walk by and one said to the other I think someone's lost their contact lens <laughs> so that's new anyway um, right I tell you what we're going to do we're going to go straight into uh, reading God's word I'm going to I'm going to read to you from um, the book of Judges chapter 6 okay and uh, Judges chapter 6 verse 1 Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Malachites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and did not spend, uh, spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in opera that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Just turn to your neighbour to the left and to the right and say to them, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Well, you have to say that with a little bit more conviction, okay? Uh, Once more, look them in the eyes and say, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, that's better. But Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? When they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, If now I have found favour in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. I can really identify with Gideon in so many ways. Um, you know, he is, um, the story is, so the, the land is being ravished by the uh, Midianites. They're like locusts on the ground and um, the Israelites are just basically hiding from them. They're hiding everything. They're hiding themselves away and, and um, Gideon is in a wine press um, hiding, as he's threshing wheat and hiding the very little that I have. And uh, the angel of the Lord appears, as you know, to Gideon and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And, you know, you may not feel like it and you may not know this, but that's the identity that you have in God that He's made you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You may not feel it, you may not know it, but that is the truth. And although we, sometimes we feel oppressed and hemmed in, we feel like it's better, we feel safer hiding ourselves away and protecting the very little that we have. That actually, it's, it's the enemy's strategy to keep you contained. But God, what God wants is for you to know who you are in Christ and for you to break out of the wine press. Being a vineyard, that's almost like, you know, this is. A building could be a nice wine press, couldn't it? It's a, it's a nice place to hide ourselves away. And I don't know, you know, I, God has called me to be an evangelist. 
And I wonder, God, have, you know, I always wonder, Lord, have you got a sense of humor? Or have you made a mistake? Because I'm shy and introverted. Now, how can a, a shy introvert be an evangelist? To be quite honest, the last place I want to be is standing in front of all of you. I mean, you look pretty scary. Although we should be family, it's pretty scary standing here talking to you. And to be an evangelist where I have to stand, maybe on the street or in thousands of people talking. God, do you have a sense of humor? Do you, you know, have we got this wrong? But the Lord reminded me that many years ago as, as a, a brand new Christian, where I just really wanted to do everything for God. You know, anything I could put my hand to do, I would do. You know, you have some diamonds in, you have some diamonds in this in, in this. Uh, in your church, in your fellowship, in your community. And you know, you know who they are. They just, anything that's happening, they want to help out. They're there. And uh, they want to do every, everything. And, uh, and that's what I was like. I just, whatever, I just want to be involved in everything. And then the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And said, Mark, your heart is frail and human. I see it. I see your heart. You know, but it's frail and human. You want to do everything, but you can't. It's impossible for you. But just choose one thing and I'll be behind you. And the Lord actually allowed me to choose what it is that I wanted to do. There's so many things that I wanted to do, but he gave me the choice. And stupidly, (laughs) stupidly I said, Lord, I want to be involved in evangelism. And the Lord reminded me of this. But now I've actually discovered that God is very, very smart. And you know, he want, he, he's been, throughout these years, been revealing my true identity. And although that shyness and that introversion wants to rear its ugly head every so often, I, I have to nail it to the altar every day. And say, you stay there. Today I will not be shy. Today I will not be introverted. And I would be like Gideon, hiding away. That would be the most comfortable place for me. A wine press, hiding away. And then when, when the Lord actually appears to Gideon and says to him, mighty warrior, you know, it's, it's almost hard to believe what God uh, is saying to us. And I really identify with this. And sometimes when he tells us things, are we really sure that's you speaking to us, God? I remember... Um, going into a place called Edmonton Green. Anyone ever been there, Edmonton Green? And actually, it's not a green. It's a very large paved area outside a, a big shopping centre. And this is, this is many years ago. And, you know, I was um, involved many years ago in the signs and wonders ministry on the streets. And I would go onto the streets and I would have, in those days, it was not the refined model of healing the street we have now. It was very raw. Like I would put a board out, I'd put miracles and healing here and in colourful poster paints. Jesus heals and I put a time. And I was encouraging this small church who had been, you know, trying to reach into the community unsuccessfully. So we started to do this little bit of opening. Anyway, I'll tell you, tell you what happened. So uh, I'd written on this board... Miracles and healing here at a, a particular time. And I love watching people. And people start to slow down. They pretend not to be interested. Have you ever seen that? And they start looking down at watch. And they, people start slowing down across, you know, it's all stretched out across this big paved area. 
And then um, the time came and I took the mic and I began to preach, publicly preach. And, but I was telling people about God's love. And I saw a woman standing, who was standing listening, and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge for her. So I approached her and I began to share what I felt that God was saying. And she agreed to come and have prayer. That Actually, the Lord wanted to set her free from something. So she came and she stood in front of me. Now in those days, when the Spirit of God began to fall, there would be like, it was like mayhem. There was times where bodies were all over the ground. And I never intended that to happen. It wasn't like, well, today we're going to have people falling all over. It was just that the Spirit of God, that's what the Spirit of God was doing. I was praying, Lord, we need signs and wonders for people to stop and listen. And that's what God was doing. He was doing signs and wonders. And so I made sure, I mean, there's one time I remember being in the place where the pavement was full of bodies, where the Spirit of God had fallen. Members of the public. And a policeman and policewoman were walking by saying, I haven't seen anything, I haven't seen anything, I haven't seen anything. So, but this time, you know, trying to be wise, as best I could, as this woman stood in front of me, I had someone stand behind her. And I put my hand on top of her head and I began to pray. As I was praying, a couple was walking by. It was a, a, a Greek, they were a Greek couple, mother and daughter. The mother was saying to her daughter in Greek, that man is trying to trick everyone into believing that Jesus is alive today. He's not. He died 2,000 years ago. That's the end of the story. Now, I don't understand Greek. It's all Greek to me. But standing next to me, by no coincidence, was one of the leaders of the church who just happened to be Greek. His name was John. And he replied back in Greek to this couple, which made them stop because they were shocked that someone would suddenly reply back to them in their own language. And then he quoted this verse of scripture, which said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now just watch what he's going to do. I just, I love leaders who are in faith. So as I began to pray, as I'm praying for this woman, they stood over there, as I pray for this woman, you have to try and imagine this scene. She dives forward. She dives face first. Dives past me like this. And in midair she spins and lands on her back over there. And I go. <laughs> Meaning, why didn't you catch her? <laughs> and the Lord begins to set her free. Now that just causes people to come. You know, a big crowd to gather. And that whole afternoon was an afternoon of signs and wonders. In those days I would say if we prayed for someone. And we, we asked them, if Jesus heals you right now, would you honour him? by testifying that he has healed you, that God has healed you. And people say, if I'm healed, I'll tell everybody. I said, great. We pray for them. How are you? I'm shocked. I'm healed. <laughs> Here's the mic. And they would testify and a bigger crowd would grow. That happened all afternoon. This is one of those rare times where everyone was healed. And the couple who stood there gave their hearts to Jesus. And um, it was an amazing time. Well, Sometime later, a few months later, um, we were living in, um, in London at the time. And as I was going into the front, to the, towards the front door, this thin blue airmail envelope. Do you remember those flint, very thin airmail envelopes? Came in through the door. I hadn't seen one of those in, in years. 
So I picked it up and I looked at the back and it was from a pastor in Pakistan. Now, I didn't know any pastors in Pakistan. And the last place on earth that I ever wanted to go was Pakistan. So, so I opened it up and I thought, and to the shame of me, I thought, this is a scam. Someone's after my money. To the shame of me, that's what I first thought. I opened it up and it was a pastor pleading with me to come to uh, Gujranwala. Uh, it's a place in Pakistan. I didn't know any pastors in Pakistan. I had no intention of going to Pakistan. It was the last place on earth I wanted to go. So I put it um, on the table. And then an hour later, the telephone rang. And it was a man with a Pakistani accent. And he said, Mark, you don't know me, but I was at Edmonton Green um, a few months back when I saw God doing amazing signs and wonders on the street. And um, I spoke to my pastor in um, Pakistan, in Gujramala, where I grew up and my, my own home church. And I told him about what I witnessed and about you. Have you by any chance received an email, a, a letter from him? And I said, yes, I have. He said, well, in there is a genuine invitation to come to Pakistan. Would you please prayerfully consider going? And I went, okay. So this is how I prayed. I prayed, Lord, if you really, really, really want me to go to Pakistan, you have to make it really, really clear. Because I really, really don't want to go. And that Sunday following Sunday, came to church and this lady approached me, a member of the church, and she said, Mark, I had a dream about you last night. I said, you did? What was that? She said, well, in my dream was my sister who's gone to be with the Lord. You know, she's, she's with Jesus. But I, in my dream, I saw her standing on the street corner and she's handing out tracts to passers-by. And when she saw me, she came and gave me a great big bear hug, told me how much she loved me. And then she said to me, can you go to Pakistan? And I said, no. And she said, is there anyone in your church you could send? And I said, yes, Mark can go. She said to me, does that mean anything to you? And I said, maybe. I mean, how much, how much clearer do you have to hear from God before you actually go? Here's Gideon going, Lord, if it's really you... And, so, and I, so then I prayed, Lord, it's my second prayer, if you really, really want me to go to Pakistan, you have to make it really, really clear because I really, really don't want to go. I mean, I don't know how much clearer God has to be before we go. And, um, and then I just thought it would be wise to start asking some people if they'd be willing to travel with me should I possibly, maybe, go to Pakistan? Because I certainly didn't want to go on my own. Should I possibly go to Pakistan? And, um, and then I received a telephone call. And this was in the church where I got saved and where Linda, my wife, got saved. And uh, we had an elder there. His name was Lecter. And Lecter was from Jamaica. He had an amazing sense of humor. Do you know these people with an amazing sense of humor? They'll tell you a story, and you don't realize it's a story until you get to the end. 
And then it's like, oh, you're pulling my leg, you know. And he had this amazing sense of humour. And Lecter said, Mark, it's, um, it's, it's me, Lecter. I, I'm in the church building right now. You'll never guess who I've got standing next to me. I said, who, Lecter? I mean, I, th- I just thought this sounds like one of his stories. He said, well, it's the Bishop of Pakistan, and he wants to speak to you. I said, the Bishop of Pakistan, he's standing in our church building, he wants to speak to me. I said, put him on the, put him on the line. I thought, I've got you now. I mean, there's no way the Bishop of Pakistan is standing in our building. And then there was silence, and this voice came on, hello. My name is Samuel. I am the Bishop of Pakistan. I said, Lecter, that's the best voice I've ever heard you put on. And he goes, no, no, I really am the Bishop of Pakistan. And then he began to explain how he had been on a preaching tour of America. He'd hopped on a plane, then came to the UK to visit his very best friend, who just happened to go to our church. And I said, did you know that? I went, no, I'm starting to panic. And then he says, he, and he informs me that you're thinking of going to Pakistan. Well, we have this small gathering every year of uh, 50,000 people. And I would like to give you a personal invitation to come to Pakistan. And with that, I put my hands up and said, Lord, I'm going. <laughs> okay, Lord, you got me. I went. And I went twice. And the most incredible, amazing things happen when, despite your own fear and sense of inadequacy and weakness, that um, we step out with, with faith in God. So thousands heal, thousands come to faith. The most amazing miracles of healing, the people, blind eyes, one 40-year-old man who has, who's blind, he has no pupils, no iris, just white eyeballs, like ping pong balls in his eyes. He closes his eyes, we put our hands over his eyes, and when he opens them, he has brown eyes and perfect eyesight. I mean, wouldn't, you want, wouldn't you love to see that? Where we saw children, many, many children who were born deaf and, couldn't, uh, deaf and mute, couldn't hear, couldn't speak. And after, not only could they hear and speak, but they could speak Urdu. That was one I've always found hard to get my head around. That they actually instantly could understand their own language where people who were brought in on stretches, paralysed, one man on a bicycle propped up by two friends who brought him for miles, for miles on a bicycle, and afterwards was paralysed and waist down, was walking. People on stretches got up and walked. I saw a, a, a mother stand here to my right, I'll never forget this, holding a two-and-a-half-year-old son who had never who'd never stood on his own two feet. I think in a condition called telepes, where the feet were pointing towards the ground and, and turned inwards like this. And as we prayed a general prayer, because after the first time of praying for thousands of people, I realised it was impossible to lay hands on people. So we just watched as God did his thing. And the feet began to unfurl like this, the most incredible sight that I've ever seen. And then when I asked thousands to test the healing out, the mother put her two-and-a-half-year-old son, stood him on the platform right in front of me to my right, completely healed. Uh, we saw legs grow. That's why I have faith for legs growing. Legs growing? Legs growing. But Pastor Yusuf said, there's a lady here with a leg shorter. I said, I've got faith for this. She comes up, and then I see not only is her left leg two, uh, two inches shorter, but her left foot is two-thirds the size of her right foot. 
I said, Pastor Yusuf, you didn't tell me about the foot. <laughs> As if God can make a leg grow, but not a foot. And in front of thousands of people, not only did the leg grow the two inches, but the foot that was two-thirds the size of the right foot grew to the full size. Nothing is impossible for God. The problem we have here is here with our minds. This is where the enemy seeks to contain us, where the enemy seeks to hem us in and to restrict us. See, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And when he says, mighty warrior, you are a mighty warrior. God in these days is wanting to to reveal by the Holy Spirit who we are in, in him. And Gideon, oh, I so identify with Gideon. I am, I am a kind of follower of Jesus who, when God says something to me, I say no. <laughs> but I have, to, I have to confess, I say no. But, but within 30 seconds to a minute, I have said yes. The problem is when you say no, and the no remains no. <laughs> so I, I'm a reluctant follower, but... I have given my heart to Jesus and despite my own fear and trepidation I realise that he that's with me that's in me is greater than he that's in the world that he's made me more than a conqueror and what Jesus where, where, where the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon he says the Lord is with you mighty warrior and, and Gideon says but and he says go he says how, how you know how can this be how can this be how can I be a mighty warrior? So that I am, you know, my clan and all our clans, we're the weakest and I'm the least. He's saying, in my clan, he's saying, I am the least of the least. Anyone ever felt like that? Listen, don't look at me. The person next to me is so much better than I am. You know? He's the one that should be out there. The person next to me should be one on the street, not me. You know? But the Lord looks at you and says, you are a mighty warrior. He says, go in the strength that you have. Strength? I have no strength. But this is what the Lord says, in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. And God, God wants you to know who you are. You, your identity is in him. You have been raised up with Christ. Jesus Christ right now sits at the right hand of the Father on a throne of power and authority. When he died on the cross, he took upon himself every sickness, every disease, any disability, anything that ever you, you have been confronted with, he dealt with it on the cross. He said, it is finished. On the third day, he was raised back to life. He spent 40 days speaking to the disciples because they found it hard to grasp hold of. When Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, not only will you do what I've been doing, you'll do greater things than this. So all the things you see me do, this is nothing. Compared to what you'll do, if you'll step out in faith, you'll just simply believe me and trust me and have faith in me. You can do these things. And they struggled with it. They struggled so much. And he spent 40 days teaching them about the kingdom, that you are light. You're the light in the darkness. You will cause darkness to be expelled because, because I am in you and you are in me. And you'll never walk in darkness. And your salt and your yeast, you affect everything around you. It's not that they will affect you, you will affect them. You will affect everything around you. Don't allow yourself to be hemmed in. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And, and after 40 days, and they get it, and he ascends into heaven, he, the, the Father 
lifts him up and sits him at, the right, at his right hand on the throne of power and authority. Everything now is placed under his feet. Every power and principality, every title, dominion is placed under his feet. He rules and reigns. And Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. He says, therefore, go. And we have been raised up with him. We're seated with him. And now the moment you, believe it, the moment you believed in Jesus and received him, you became a child of God. God becomes your father. You are love. He loves you. You have a heavenly father who loves you with all of his heart. You are sons and daughters. Your, your lives are precious to him and he embraces you. He loves you with all of his heart. But now you are citizens of God's kingdom as well. Children of heaven, citizens of God's kingdom. And you're an heir of God and a co-heir of Christ. And he sits, and Jesus sits you with him in those heavenly places. You, you have a, a position of authority. You know, we, don't, we haven't earned our, this position. We don't deserve it. We've been adopted into God's family. And we have a seat at the king's table. We can come and go whenever we like. And Jesus said, I give you my authority. To trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the evil. Nothing at all shall harm you. But don't rejoice that the demons submit to you in my name, but that your names are written in heaven. That you are now my ambassador. You carry the atmosphere of heaven. You carry the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you. The, the atmosphere, the environment of miracles is right where you are. You represent me. You're my representative on earth. I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. Go in the strength that you have. There's more than you have than you know. More than you have than you know. If you will begin to exercise the authority that you have. Don't be afraid. And even as God spoke to Joshua. I'm going to finish in a moment. Even as God spoke to to Joshua. And said to him. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And if we will go in in the strength that we have, but fully trusting in God, it's amazing what he can do. As I've trusted him in my own weakness, my own frailty, my own, you know, I've just stepped out and God has taken me around the world, done things with me. I've just surrendered my life to him. And even though the times has been, it's been fearful, I've summoned up courage. Courage doesn't mean there's, there's absence of fear, but I summon up courage. I say fear will not rule and reign over my life. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love and power and a sound mind. And I step out, and it's amazing what I'll do. And when God said to, to Gideon, go in the strength that you have, what made the difference was the Spirit of the Lord began to rest on him. And he blew a trumpet, summoning the Israelites, summoning the army. And you know, when the Spirit of God rests on him, we need the Holy Spirit. He is the one who empowers us, who enables us to do the things that we just can't do in our own strength. He is the one who enables us to see breakthrough in our workplaces, in our, in our schools, and where we do life. He enables us to do things that are in, supernatural.
where we have to rely on him. And and Gideon maybe thinks 32,000. We have 32,000. Maybe you can do this. But God says, no, no. 32,000 is too much. Because I know what you'll think, Gideon. If we, get, if, we, if we deal a blow to the Midianites, the 32,000, you'll think it was by your own strength that you did this. So no, we're going to make this really, really impossible. So they whittled the army down to just 300. So that you'll know and you'll remember, it was not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, that this has been accomplished. And God wants you to know that he has given you his Holy Spirit. He's given you authority. You are mighty warriors. And you can make a difference. It's, it's time for us to break out of the wine press. To be bold for Jesus. It's time to be telling people about Jesus. And not to be afraid. You know, when, um, when the enemy will try to hem you in, the very things... At this moment, think about all of the ways right now that the enemy is attacking you. The very area where you are being attacked in is a very area of fruitfulness. It's the very place the devil wants to keep you from. And Alan Scott, who's a senior pastor of the Corsica's Vineyard, and you maybe you've heard this before, so has this thing about, um, he talks about scarecrows. Have you heard the scarecrow analogy? Well, what does a scarecrow do in a, in a field of wheat? What's, what's his job? It's to scare crows, isn't it? Yeah? But to the smart crow, it's a sign for f- that there's food in that field. Yeah? So the scarecrow goes like this. It doesn't, it doesn't really do any harm, but it's designed to scare you. But to the smart crow... It's a signal, it's a sign that there's food in that field. And what the, where the enemy is coming at you right now, in the very areas, and you know what it is, even here in this, in this city, I know it's a town, but I'm prophesying it's a city. Right? Where you are being oppressed in this city, and, and the areas that you are being oppressed in, being hemmed in, being restricted by the enemy, is a very place of fruitfulness. And if you allow fear to hem you in, the enemy's got you where, where he wants you. But if you will step out, if you will be bold and be courageous, begin to speak out for Jesus, begin to pray for those. You're going to have opportunities this week. You're going to have people coming to you and they're going to be telling you about things in their life. And you will see that as an opportunity to pray for them. The enemy will say to you, but if you, if you even offer to pray, you know what they'll think about you. You know, the enemy will try and intimidate to prevent you from doing those things. But say, no, I am an ambassador for Jesus. I am a mighty warrior. I will not allow fear to hem me in. I will step out. Doesn't matter how weak I am. The weaker you are, the stronger he is. Okay. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for sons and daughters in in this building, God. You love them with all of your heart. They're precious to you. I pray for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit in their lives, for courage, for boldness, God. That 
where they felt besieged, where they felt hemmed in. God, right now, that you would tear down those walls, those strongholds, God, around their lives. And in Jesus' name, I speak to the walls that the enemy has built around your lives. And I command those walls be broken now in Jesus' name. I tear down every wall and I release to you courage and boldness. I release to you the the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for the fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit to each one. And right now, for those of you here who don't know as yet know Jesus, but you're journeying towards him, you don't know him as, as your Lord, you don't know him as the boss of your life, as number one in your life. But this morning you want him to make him number one. And we're going to pr- start praying for people in a moment for healing, for anyone who needs healing. But, f- but before we do that, there's so- anyone here, you don't know Jesus, but this morning or this afternoon you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, number one. Could you just raise your hand? And I'm going to pray for you. Just raise your hand and say, Mark, I want to thank you. God bless you. Is there anyone else that would like to do that? God bless you. Is there anyone else that would like to make Jesus the Lord of their life? today you've not done this before perhaps or perhaps you did it a very long time ago just raise your hand and if you feel there's a, a battle going on in your heart if you feel right now your heart's going duh, 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 and you know you should but there's something stopping you know this that that is the, again the enemy stopping you from wanting to take that step because of what's available for you so is there anyone else uh, I'll just ask one more time it's so important and no pressure but I just want to Give you a bit of time to, to respond. Is there anyone else? Okay, I saw two hands go up. Let's just pray. Church, if you want to pray this prayer with me and help me. If you've raised your hand and just pray this prayer with me. And it's just a simple prayer. Your first step in relationship with Jesus. The prayer goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus. Church, I want you to pray aloud with me, okay? Pray aloud with me. Lord Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I open the door of my heart to you. I invite you to come into my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. And I receive your Holy Spirit. Thank you for dying for me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Right. Um, so now we're going we're gonna to pray for those of you who, who need healing. And one of the things that I feel um, is that I want to pray. You, you feel there, there's been this huge restriction in your life. You really feel, as I was talking, there, there, there's been this restriction. And it could be a fear. It could be a fear of man. It could be something that's really, you feel, is restricting you getting just closer to Jesus and, and being obedient to him. You want to, but there's something that's preventing you from doing that. And it may be just fear. The fear of man proves to be a snare, the Bible says. And so what, the first thing I want to do is um, pray for those of you who feel bound by fear. And it could be, any kind of fear. And if it's not fear, it's a restriction of some kind. You feel that restriction. Um, and I w- I'm going to say to you, don't be afraid. Now, most probably, if you do have any kind of fear, your heart is going, ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. But what I'd love you to do, please, we're, we're in a family here. We're 
amongst family. So we love each other. And I'm just going to say a short prayer for you. So if you'd like to just come out to the front, just come. Just begin to respond. Come to the front. And we're going to start praying. There's a number of you. We're just going to be patient. There's a whole number of you who are bound by fear and you want to be free. Honestly, this is the opportunity to be free. So I'd encourage you to come. Just come stand at the front. And you don't have to face this way. You can face that. They're, they're scary. Look at that. There you go. Just come. That's right, good. Just come. There's a, there's a lot more. Just don't be afraid, honestly. No one's looking at you. No one's thinking anything about you. You're loved. You're precious to God. Any fear at all. Fantastic. Feel any restrictions and you want, you want to be free. Because I'm going to pray a prayer and I believe it. you're going to be free. You're not going to have to go through it. You're not going to have to carry it any longer. So, Okay, there's a few more that need to come out. There's time for you to come out. Come on. There's a few more that need to come out. If your heart is beating fast, you know that's usually you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Okay. But as people come out, that's great. Thank you so much. I just want to say to you, God loves you with all of his heart. You're so precious to him. I really wish, I really wish, I pray, not just wish, I pray that your heavenly dad would give you the deepest revelation of his love for each one of you. That he loves you so much that you can rest in his love. That you can trust him. God bless you. That you can trust him with all of your heart. You are so precious to him. And in a moment I'm going to pray. And all those restrictions, all those fears, you're going to leave them right where you stand. And when you leave the place that you stand, you're leaving them behind. They're not going with you anymore. Okay. You're not going to be controlled by them anymore. It's going to go. And church, you can, you can just help pray. Just really lift these folk up to God. I want you to pray after me, a little prayer. Okay, pray because it's pray it aloud. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I renounce all fear and all restriction. I ask you to heal me, to deliver me, set me completely free. You have not given me the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love and power and a sound mind. Thank you, Lord Jesus.